Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Everybody, welcome into the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting Your Targeting. I am JT along with Tom, the other half, the better half of the podcast, you might say. Tom, how's it going today? That's debatable, sir, but uh, it's going fine today. Just uh, at home, I'm helping uh, nurse my wife's broken leg, but otherwise, in great shape. Personally, I saw that not on her. Facebook. So, so Tom's wife rides horses. And uh, she's got a number of horses, and I don't really know what all they do. They're, she she doesn't barrel race, does she? She like does the prancing around stuff. Yeah, I th- when you say you don't know what they do, I tell you what they do. They eat. They eat and they eat and they eat, <laughs> and somebody pays for their eating. But but no, yeah, she 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 shows horses. <clears throat> excuse me, but she shows the type of horses, and I'm I'm probably talking incorrectly but I, she shows the type of horses that they use on trail riding a bunch yeah okay and she was actually trail riding this weekend on one of her horses and they were uh going down a steep embankment that was gravelly and according to her down an embankment they sh- probably shouldn't have been going down but they were too steep but uh the horse kind of spooked and ended up on top of her and so uh Anyway, that was not good. She had to drive herself to the emergency room. I guess it was a Saturday night. Yes, it was game night. So late Saturday night, she had to drive. I don't know. It was like 45 minutes away from where they were camping in the middle of the woods to the emergency room. And uh, and she's got a clean break on that little small, I guess it's called the fibula down there. Yeah, I think so. that's right. So she's, it was an embankment that she might not have, should have been going down, and she was with other people. So it sounds like a little peer pressure involved, maybe? <laughs> that or drinking and or both. Because uh, I work out uh, in the mornings, and uh, my partner, like I was telling Tom off the air, he is 14 years younger than me. And uh, sometimes the the age really gets to me because, as you can imagine, he can – it's not that he can do more weight than me. Man, his heart rate just stays. Like, we'll do the same exercise, and his heart rate will be at 125. I'll be, like, at 155 and just can barely catch my breath. So I let peer pressure take over today, put 315 on the bar, squatted it four times, and not kidding, I might have to have knee replacement. Like, it, was, it's an, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I hadn't squatted that much. I hadn't squatted that much in years, but I hadn't squatted with a bar on my back in well over a year because the last time I squatted with a bar on my back, I hurt my back. So, you know, it just mm. – uh, Lesson an idiot. learned. Yeah, I'm an idiot. So, And here's the thing. 
uh, I'll get better, and two years will pass. I'll forget the pain, and I'll do it again. So, but uh, we won't we we won't cover anymore on the podcast because as Ezel, our good friend from Birmingham, he he might have already changed the channel now because by gosh, if we ain't talking football, he's out. So, let's <laughs> jump into the commentary. Let's do it, man. Uh, it, couple of things. This is this this commentary. Luckily for Ezel, is Alabama football. But there is a uh, uh, one one item of note that I felt was interesting. This week we dropped from one to three in the AP poll after the close win against A and M. Coincidentally, we moved up a spot to number one in the coaches poll and actually collected more first place votes this week than we did last week. I thought that was an interesting dynamic. It's probably likely that the coaches are just not watching very many games, but I don't I don't know that. Um, but that, that was interesting. But I, it got me to thinking after watching the game Saturday, and, and I know we'll rehash that here in a second, but if Milro started the remaining games, if, if Bryce was out for the year, I took a swing, and I'm going to let you take a swing because I'm going to run them down uh, one by one. But we have uh, six games left in regular season plus a potential SEC championship game. I'm going to tip – I've got the lines wrote down. I know you're going to do this off the cuff, so I just want to get your gut feel for it, that if Milrose are starting quarterback starting this week against Tennessee, what what is the Vegas line? So this week we're seven-and-a-half-point road favorites at Tennessee. What do you think that line is if they expected Milrow to be in charge of the offense? I don't know how it's not – at worst, for Bama's sake, a pick em. I, I don't know how you don't favor Tennessee. Based on what we saw from Milrow being the starter, and I don't know, maybe it's better when the backup is thrust into the game unexpected, you know, because we go to Arkansas and everything's going swimmingly. We're, we've Yes, we threw a pick. It was a deflected pick. But then we stopped them three and out, four and out, five and out, whatever it was. We scored a touchdown. They punt again, they, we score another touchdown, and then we're driving, and Bryce gets hurt, comes back out for the one series. So, you know, he there was really not a lot of pressure when he came in, and it, it helped a lot. He pushed the lead out another 14 points to 28 nothing. But I'll get back on task. I, I would, if I was making the line, I'm putting Tennessee at a two and a half point favorite, and here's why. We, I've asked this question today, and let me ask you quickly. Who has more four- and five-star athletes, Texas A&M or Tennessee? Who do you A&M. think? A&M. For Surely sure. it's A&M. I, I yeah. would think – I didn't look it up, but I would think it would be A&M. I, they're just based on and last year's re- recruiting class, if nothing else, uh, last year's recruiting class – but uh, they, you know, Tennessee has the the ace in the hole. They got Hendon Hooker, and he's looking very good. I just feel like with Milrow, we would not be able to score enough to where the defense can only get so many stops, and I don't think he can sustain drives. I'm putting Tennessee at a slight favorite if Milrow was the starter. 
Okay, first of all, I hope you don't take that long on each game I run down, but at that point, noted. I had Pick'em as well. Your first inclination, you said you said Pick'em, and then you went to Tennessee favorite. I had Pick'em as well. All right, the following week, we're home to Mississippi State, number 16 Mississippi State, who, by the way, is playing really well. Uh, okay, where, do, where should I start on this one? Let's see. I'll just give you a line this time. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say we'll be with Milrow, and I'm going to say 10. I had Bama minus 8, so you went minus 10. Close, close. Next, we're at LSU. Bama by 8.5. I went 6. LSU's not a good team, guys. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh, Following that, at number nine, Ole Miss. Mm. And, uh, and granted, granted, the the uh, we don't know the results of yeah, the games that yeah. we're handicapping beforehand, but we're assuming that as of today, we're projecting the line for each of those games. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say uh, Ole Miss by four. I still had Bama as a road favorite minus two. Okay. But right there, we're, we're within a we're within one score of each other. We are. Yeah. Austin P. Alabama by thirty-five. Yeah, I had forty. Auburn, home at Auburn, home home, home against at Auburn. Auburn. That's a tough tough game mm-hmm. there. Uh, I'm gonna say Bama by twenty-two and a half. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I, I went fourteen. Yeah. Georgia, if we got to the championship game. Georgia by. Here's the thing, man. Georgia is not that good. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. Uh, I'm going to say, but Georgia's got to be favored. So let's say Georgia by seven. I had them by 10. Okay. So we were within, the, our biggest uh, diversion was Old Miss. I yeah, had Bama still points. a road favorite by two, and you had them by uh, a dog by four. Uh, so that was a six point. But out of those games, you know, Austin P and Auburn are probably the two worst teams. I say probably. They're, they're absolutely the two worst teams out of those uh, the seven games. So the other five, you know, what's, you know what is in common in those five? They're in the ACC. Well, out of those five, <laughs> and both you and I have the same commonality there, Bama was not... Well, one, you had them as a dog at two games. I had them as a dog at one game, so that's unusual. But no double-digit lines in those five games. Yeah. That's that's how big of a deal Milro and Young is based on a one-game sample size. Because do you know how long or, or how many times that we're single-digit favors uh, favorites in regular season. I'm trying to remember the last one uh, that we had. Do you remember the last time in the regular, not talking about championship games, playoffs, or anything like that, but just in the regular season? When was the last time we were a single-digit favorite? I mean, my guess would be 2020 when we hosted Georgia, uh, or if not then, 2019 when we hosted number one or number two LSU. That's just a pure guess. And heck, it might not have been. We had Tua. And we had Mac mm-hmm. Jones and a great cast of characters. Uh, I don't know that we weren't 10-point favorites versus Georgia. I don't know that we weren't 10-point favorites versus LSU. I don't think we were. 
But it, yeah. it'd be LSU. And, and I didn't go back and look at that, but you, you see the point I'm making. Yeah, that's it's, a it's, huge difference. One guy. Yeah, yeah. And and that's typically not not what you think about when you think of Alabama. You think of Alabama, you think of depth, and you think of uh, you know five stars and four stars, plug and play. Milrow has got a long way to go, a long way to go. And I, I just and I think you're you're. Your line of thinking is right in line with mine, based on based on those lines, and so, and but here's the flip side of that, guys. There, there is a big difference, but out of those seven games, Tiffin had us as underdogs in two of them. I had us as underdogs in only one. Not saying you'd win all of them, but we can still win with Milro if we're forced to, and he'd get better. He yeah, will get sure. better, you know. So that that's that, so. I don't think we have that to to worry about this week. As it, it sounds like Bryce is back practicing, but um, you know, it, it it was an interesting thought process after seeing what happens on a dry run, like you said, just out of the gate. Here he comes, starting his first game, and it's a it's a big one. You know, it wasn't like he got an Austin P. Cupcake game to warm up on. It was a big one right out of the gate, and and it showed on Saturday. Yeah, the the turnovers are what is that the does that wrap up the commentary? Yeah, yeah, that okay. that kind of teased it up for yeah. the the recap. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the interesting thing would be also is and we didn't do this, and that's fine. Um, like, what would we project the lines to be? if Bryce is healthy, because let's just quickly, um, I don't see us being a dog in any game on the schedule with Bryce healthy, including Georgia. Like I said, we'll talk about Georgia and Auburn uh, after the recap of the Bama A&M. But it is, it is kind of weird because, you know, that's the thing with, with Vegas and the NFL. Man, they'll announce a quarterback, like the line will be eight, and they'll announce a quarterback, the starting quarterback for one team out, and the line will drop to seven, like one point. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's so weird. And and I don't know, maybe college is the same, but I think it's seven and a half with number three, if we're going by the AP poll, number three versus number seven on the road. I think they're expecting Bryce to play. I mean, gosh, I hope he plays. And and the concerning oh, part with, with Milrow is, and here's the crazy stat, is he had three touchdown passes, but he had two mm-hmm. fumbles and an interception, another couple of balls that could have been intercepted. He, I went to the game, which I think that's what, on the recap, I'm going to voice my displeasure with the game, going to a game nowadays. and You don't get replays anymore on the on the Jumbotrons. And I understand it because I figure with a lot of teams going hurry up, you don't know when they're going to go tempo, you just can't show them. And it sucks. Like we, the, the touchdown, our first touchdown, we got the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on number 65. I never saw it. Still, to to right to this day, to this hour, I've not. I don't know why we got the penalty because we never saw a replay. Uh, the only replays you get are when it's a when it's a a replay like a review or when it's a, like a going into you know a timeout or whatever they'll show the replay. But just very very disheartening there. And uh, they don't sell beer in the zone, Tom. I I splurge for zone tickets. And since I don't own my seats, I don't have a locker, and they don't sell alcohol. <laughs> so really? we were, we were watching interesting. with, with a, a fresh Diet Coke in hand, which is fine. I mean, it's, and I, I don't have to have alcohol to, to have fun, Tom. 
So, uh, and then, but you know, and let me sure helps. <laughs> kind of like running a marathon. I don't have to have running shoes, but it sure helps. But the, I think the most frustrating thing the whole night was who who do we want to sing Rammer Jammer to this year on our home schedule? Who do we want to sing Rammer Jammer to more than anybody? Be That's Auburn. Going to be Auburn. Auburn, correct? Yeah. Okay. Who? The, right. What? What was? Who would be the second best team that we want to sing Rammer Jammer to? It would have been A and M. A and M, absolutely. We stopped the pass on uh, with three seconds left. The game ends. The band immediately strikes up Rammer Jammer, and uh, Bright Denny blasts some rap song over the PA system. I don't really recognize. That's fine. That's not a shocker that a forty-eight-year-old man don't recognize a rap song. But the point is, it drowned out Rammer Jammer, and like maybe that's by design. Maybe Saban has said, "Look, if we don't, if we only win by four points." We're, I don't care if we sing Rammer Jammer, but I mean, it's for the fans. I mean, come on, give throw us a bone there. But I'm gonna, I'm, before we really get breaking into breaking down the game, I'm, I saw this on Bama Online, so I pulled it back up and I'm gonna read it verbatim. This should make you feel a lot better about where we were, where we are defensively. Going into the game, Texas A&M had the worst offense in the SEC in yards per game and the second-to-last scoring offense. Okay, let me repeat that. Going into the Bama game, Texas A&M had the worst offense in the SEC when you factor in yards per game and the second-worst in scoring offense. And you know what Bama did? We we held them below their averages. And we still <laughs> had to have a last-second play to win. So what that shows me is how bad we played. I mean, four turnovers, two Missed field goals, one of them a chip shot, and the the long one that he missed, which both of them were makeable. But you know, I, look at forty after you get past forty eight yards, if you hit it, great. If not, I get it. I don't, you know, I don't. No, no kicker is going to be perfect in college. But what sucks on the long one that he missed, it was third and two, and we lost ten yards. So it went to a forty. It would have been a thirty nine yard field goal if we'd have just run up the gut and gained zero yards. So that was frustrating. We did a lot to lose that game. But Cole Kublik, and man, I, I heard him say this yesterday on the Sunday. The He does the Sunday shows with Barrett Salee and uh, Lugan, Lugan Burner, Lugan Barner, Lugan Bill, whatever. <laughs> and I was hoping that he, uh, I was like, man, that is a great nugget. I hope he doesn't say it the rest of the day. I think he hammered the point home all day on jocks today and and, and any and on Twitter too. But I'll go ahead and repeat it. He said that A&M used motion for the first time this year, like exotic motion. He said uh, they hadn't used it all year. And they're using it for – so like Jimbo, again, for two years in a row, like if you're an Aggie fan, how mad are you at that comment? He's holding stuff out. That could help him win, possibly win games. He's holding out for Bama because it's all about beating Bama. And he, yeah, he did it last year. He didn't this year. My, you know, probably should have. We probably should have won last year, and he probably should have beaten us this year. But it evens out. But I just found that very odd that Jimbo is. Let's face it, Jimbo should be two and four right now. He had no mm-hmm. business beating Arkansas. But I just, I, I would be furious if I was a, a Texas A&M fan and I heard that. Like, Jimbo, why are you holding stuff out for Bama? Let's beat Arkansas, which we did. Let's beat who, – who'd they play after Arkansas? Mississippi State? Yeah. You know, 40-17. Yeah. to 17. Like, let's pull out some of this stuff for Mississippi State. Like, let's don't take that win for granted. State, by the way, is 2-0 and against Jimbo in the last two years. But just we, – we played – we played just 
God, just good enough to win or just probably didn't play bad enough to lose. But a few things, and then I'll let you, I'll let you say what you're going to say. You probably got a lot more in-depth because you actually got to watch replays and watch a good view of the game. The zone seats are cool because unlimited food and drink, but the seat sucks because you're in the end zone. And, like, the pass play that ended the game was in the north end zone. I was in the south end zone, so I watched it on the Jumbotron. But a few things, with, I didn't feel like we built on uh, Milrow's strengths. Like, his strengths are his legs. Where's the stretch play to where he has to hustle out and, you know, it's a fake off a tackle, play action pass. You know, you can either you can give it or you can PA pass off of it. Like, where's that? Where's our 50-50 ball? I don't know if we've thrown a 50-50 ball this year, which you don't have to with Bryce. But Evan Stewart, I think it was on A&M's first touchdown, you know, Haynes King threw the ball up for grabs pretty much, and he let his receiver make a play, and we kind of got lost, and the ball was short. Evan saw it, came back to it, caught it inside the 10. I don't know that we've thrown that pass all year. Like, you can get pass interference on that call, you know, on that on that play. You have a chance to. Where's JoJo Earl? Like, uh, Neutron said he played like, or two nights ago. I didn't see him. And I just feel like that, man, we have got to. If, if Milrow, in fact, does play, like I said, we're banking on Bryce playing. But is Bryce going to be 100%? You know, he can throw all week in practice. He can throw pass skill all week long. But when that game gets when when the when the lights come on and the ball is snapped, you're gonna he's gonna throw it harder and with more force than he has in practice all week. And is that shoulder gonna hold up? I mean, we think it will. Everybody that's talked about it has said it's just a, it's a minor injury and you deal with pain. But you know, what if the shoulder gets weak and all of a sudden that out turns into you know the the DBs are breaking on it quicker. Like, if Milrow has to play, he's going to have to do a lot better job, and we're going to have to do a better job play calling for him. No, I agree with that 100%. The uh, the play calling definitely was not geared to his strengths. They they run a couple of the, uh, for lack of a better term, I say a couple, I remember it once, like a quarterback sweep that actually picked up eight, nine yards, whatever it was. It was, it was a very well done positive play and we didn't run it again and we should have run more of i think milrow in a design run situation he probably had maybe three or four plays for a design run Mm -hmm. i'm guessing and and when i say design run he can still run uh play action or the uh you know the the run pass option with with no pass on deck you know just a just an RPO where either the running back's going to get it or he's going to take off with it. And and it wasn't there. And I don't know if it's never been a pa- package. I think, I think, you know, we're, we're sitting here or I'm thinking about it in a way that's coming a little bit out of both sides of the mouth. I think you, when you're practicing as an elite team, you have quote unquote an elite offense and you gear your strategy around that offense and you hope that your second string quarterback can run that offense. That's what all the rest of your starting players are accustomed to. That's what they practice day in and day out. And yes, if you've got a quarterback with different skill set, it does make sense to try to utilize some of those different skills. But again, now you have to 
re-gear everybody else on the team too to run this different sort of offense so it, it makes it more difficult to have a entirely different offensive scheme for a quarterback i get that but there were clearly some plays that were designed for him that we didn't run very often and so that was that was not great uh and, and i think that's squarely on o'brien i won't jump on that train like everybody else is but it's uh you know he he could have definitely done a better job there and you hit on it. You know, Milro had the three turnovers that he was directly responsible for, all of which turned into uh, A&M points. You know, they capitalized on every one of those turnovers. Two of them were, one of them was an extremely short field. One of them was a short field. And the other one was a, you know, it was, it wasn't necessarily a short field, but it was definitely great field position for them. I think they took over in their own 40 or something like that. Um, and he did. He absolutely, and I know you saw it live, but even looking at the replays, they should have had at least two more interceptions. Balls that hit their DBs square in the chest and fell out or square in the hands and they dropped. Uh, he threw it right to them, and he missed them. I, look, <clears throat> I looked at the stats after the game, and I think Milrow was 12 of 19. It surely felt like he threw way more incompletions than seven. I mean, just add that feel to it. And he made he made poor decisions. Not just the not just the fumble, but exactly what you said a while ago. That doesn't show up on the stat sheet when he loses ten yards and knocks them into a longer field goal attempt than the chip shot. That only shows up as a you know a negative running play or a, a, a total on his yardage. But that was a huge, huge play and that was nothing but a mental thing for him and there were several times where he either took the sack or uh you know in a, end up being a strip or he he took off with it for for no gain or negative gain when he could have easily just thrown the ball away i don't remember him throwing a ball away he just doesn't yeah, he's not playing with the yeah he's not playing with the quarterback mentality that you need to play in this offense and and can it come? Maybe. You know, maybe it can come. I mean, it just needs to get there in a hurry if he's got to play again. <laughs> now, uh, here's something interesting that I will say, though, okay? So the first, I think, six drives of the game, Alabama and A&M traded punts, very very much feeling each other out, trying to get, I guess, uh, Milro comfortable. We were playing good defense, trading punts. All right. After we scored the first touchdown and went up seven to nothing. We didn't punt again in the game until garbage time punt. And I say garbage time punt it, give them the ball back. But you know, that was a, that was a situation where there was no threat of us throwing the ball because yeah. we were going to run that clock and we were going to try to get that first down on the ground. If we weren't, we were going to punt it to them with no timeouts. I mean, that's just what we were going to do. So excluding that, we didn't punt again the entire game, not once. Now the, bad side of that is here here are our possessions fumble td fumble interception field goal td fumble miss field goal miss field goal and then the garbage punt and so that's that's mistake riddled you know as poorly as milro played it wasn't that he and our offense were overmanned or overmatched by a&m uh, we we 
moved the ball and just shot ourselves in the foot. And when I say we, I use it as the uncollective Milrow we. But still, there was potential there for them to to really blow that game wide open instead of having A&M down on our goal line trying to pull off the upset in our own backyard. So that that was frustrating, the amount of uh, mistakes. And I think it just got in their heads. You know, it's, the, defense was pl- the defense played well all day, I thought. They got the first secondary interception of the year. They kept pressure on A&M's quarterback constantly. They didn't maybe get a lot of sacks, but he was under duress all day, and he took some licks. And and they they did everything you'd want a defense to do. But you get to the point where the more you do and your quarterback goes out there and just gives it right back to them, it's hard to keep getting up and hard to keep you know the pressure on for that long and and not make a mistake for that long when you're you know the the thing about turning it over four times that's four bonus possessions for them plus yeah. we had you know s- several in the first quarter three and outs where we didn't get anything and so that's just giving them a lot of opportunity and as many opportunities as they had i feel very good about only giving up 20 points 17 were direct direct turnover or points after turnovers yeah, yeah. so i wasn't I, t- I texted you this and you weren't ready to hear it saturday i can tell by your response <laughs> i ain't ready to hear it now <laughs> i'm gonna say it again though but if you can if you can beat a, a, a team of a&m's calendar and they have not looked good that but you, it was uncanny last year they were the they had the exact same record they were coming off a loss to Mississippi State. Last year, they lost to Arkansas Mississippi State back-to-back in the game leading up to Alabama. This year, it was App State earlier. Then they beat two ranked teams, like we alluded to last week, and then lost to Mississippi State again last week. And and you may have uncovered a nugget of why they look so pitiful in those games. But they it was almost a spitting image of them. And... They're not a terrible team if they were coached well. I mean, heck, the four and five star players, the amount of players on that on that team, as as we just discussed, makes it so that they're they're they've got to have an over an abundance of talent. They're just not putting it together. But if you can go out there and turn the ball over four times and miss two field goals, and still still hold that team to 20 points and win the game even after your quarterback is making mistake after mistake that doesn't even show up on the stat line i think there's a lot to a lot to take away from this game now what you what you tweeted what you text and i think you end up tweeting it out and it got a, like a like and a retweet or something from people that uh, well, i don't even know like i was i was all excited <laughs> did you pay someone <laughs> yeah i had to pay a guy to tweet at us so did you pay someone too but uh, I, I paid the guy from Man of Means. Hey, that you know, I did not have not done Man of Means yet, and I, I I will talk about that shortly. But like you said, you talked about the pressures. I saw where Will Anderson had eleven quarterback pressures, and you know what's amazing? I think the Cheetah package, which we have discussed on this very podcast, 
I think they had something like 23 quarterback pressures. It, it was an insane number when those three were on the field. You know what's amazing to me, Tom, is they never generate a holding call. We've got the best defensive player in the country who will be in the NFL next year. We've got two other guys. Braswell's a junior. I don't think he'll go this year, but he's a junior. Dallas Turner is a sophomore. So I would say in two years – I would say two years from right now, those three will be in the NFL playing, and they cannot generate a holding call. It's amazing how clean teams play against us. Do you find that odd? Not really, just because we pay so many refs. I just assume the other teams are paying the refs, too, on the holding penalty. So it kind of evens out. I guess so. Here's one thing I want to discuss before we move on to – I want to talk a little bit about Georgia-Auburn. But I asked this question – today and i want to ask you and see what you think let's say that we play this past saturday with the exact same lineup but we have mechie we have slade bolden and we have jameson williams would the outcome have been different still with milro at the helm still with milro nothing changes just take out the take out our receivers that we played and insert those three into the starting lineup slot, uh, and then wide guy, wide guy X, Y, Z. Well, I don't know what they're called, but you know, yeah, those three guys start at receiver. Is we the were probably an, they were probably enough of an impact to to make it where it wasn't a game at the end as far as them. I, mean, I don't think it was a whole lot different because Milro still has to get them the ball and make decisions. But I do think his decisions would have been easier because those guys would have been wide open. Yeah, and that goes because <laughs> that's route what running. they do. And I yeah. just feel like I feel like that our receivers. That's why it was so detrimental. Like I talked about with Bryce, you know, against who was it? Where he went to? It was the it was maybe Vanderbilt where he went to Jacory Brooks three times in a row. It, it basically he was like forcing the issue. Like, hey, I'm gonna make one of you guys be my go to receiver because he don't have a, he does not have a go to receiver right now. And the fact that he missed half the Arkansas game and then a full game, and it just sucks. Like, what is our continuity going to be if he plays at Tennessee this weekend? It's just, you know, we've got to get to where we're hitting that deep ball. We've got to get on the same page with the receivers. And, and that you know, I think that will come. But, you know, ultimately, a win is a win. Chris Stewart, did you hear his call at the end? I did not. It was on Twitter. I need to retweet it to our account. I mean, it was great. He said he had a bunch of good little one-liners. You know, he he said, no flags. The game is over. Let's get out of here. And then he talked a little bit more. He said, at the end of the year, they don't ask you how. They ask you how many. And by gosh, that's a good line. So, mm-hmm. if we continue to win, and thank you, Texas, for making, our, <laughs> making that win look a lot better, uh, trouncing yep. Oklahoma – but, you know, if we continue to win the 20-19 to 19 Texas game, the 24-20 to 20 Texas A&M game will just be a distant memory. So let's, let's hope that we continue winning. But let's, let's talk – before we jump into the third Saturday in October, I want to talk about Auburn and, and Georgia. And Georgia end up beating them pretty bad. But the reason I say <clears throat> Georgia is not that good, they're good. They're top four. But they are not the Georgia team that was, we saw play last year. And they are sure not the Georgia team that beat Oregon. I don't, man, they they just played out of their minds against Oregon. I, like I was I was intimidated. You know, I was like, oh man, how are we gonna beat them this year? I fully expect to beat them if we're healthy and they're healthy. I do. That you know, Auburn held them to a scoreless tie at the end of the to end of the first quarter and in, going into the second. And 
you know, what happens in those games, it was obvious Auburn was not going to score. It, that is a testament to Georgia's defense, but it's also a testament to how bad Auburn is on offense. They're just not good. And, you know, your defense gets so frustrated, especially when Georgia's up 21 nothing. Like, the game's over. And you, you tend to lose focus, and that's why the game got out of hand. That, that score – that score being 21 to nothing or 42 to 10 was or whatever it was at 42 or 48 whatever it was that was really no difference to me i just georgia has deficiencies tied in is not one of them but they they're beatable and i don't know that tennessee won't beat them i don't know that kentucky can't beat them and, and uh, georgia might finish undefeated and get to atlanta but i i do not feel like they're the team the, the big bad wolf that I thought they were after the first two games. They looked really, really good. Yeah, you, you didn't specifically point out a, a game there, and I agree with you that you just said other games. But I'll, I'll piggyback on that because one of the things that I saw is uh, Clemson. I think Clemson is in that boat as well. I think they're – they're playing on borrowed time, Clemson is. Th- those guys, the result of the game, if you look at it, the score from Saturday, 31-3, to 3, it was like, oh, another ho-hum blowout. It was not. Uh, Clemson scored with inside a minute to go to go up 10-3 to 3 at halftime against Boston College. Now, Boston College, this is a team that has lost – three games already this year before they played Clemson, I believe. One of those to Virginia Tech. We know how bad Virginia Tech is. I think, yeah, them and another awful team. I mean, Boston College is ungood. And Clemson is having a very hard time on offense right now. So I, I feel like they're buying their time. It may be this weekend. I mentioned last week that Florida State is is bad. They're not, they're not as good as everybody was hyping them to be. They did lose last week, although they didn't let the cover in, by the way. But they're, they're, Clemson's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite over yeah, Florida State this week. I, I this saw that. this that may is. be their time. So let's, let's move on spoil. to the game. Yeah, let's let's move on to the game, sure. Tom, because we don't want to spoil our picks where people quit listening to podcasts because as, as fire as we were this weekend, they're going to want to stick around for the picks. But, you know, like I said, I went to the game this past weekend. I'm going to the Tennessee game. I texted my daughter today, and I kind of gave her an out that maybe we – I'm like, hey, you know, if your roommates don't want to go, I um, mean, it'd be fine with me. She said, we planned this for three months. We're staying in Scottsboro <laughs> Friday night. I said, then we're going. But, anyway, I got home at 1.30 uh, Sunday morning. It's going to be a late – it's going to be a drive-in, drive-out to Knoxville this weekend. And I'm going to be tired. And when you're my age and you get tired, your skin takes a t- it takes a toll on your skin. But you know how I keep looking vibrant, Tom? I know you saw my picture on Facebook. Oh, you know yeah. how I, I stay looking vibrant, good. Tom? It's man of means. That's yeah, what it is. You can Google search it. Tattoo Tom sells it. Give it a try. Man of means. It'll change your world. On to the third Saturday in October. So, after Tennessee... Put the beat down on LSU, which that game, I assume you had the three TVs rolling, and I'm oh, yeah. all ready for the 11 o'clock action, and the kickoff comes, and it hits off the chest plate of LSU and rolls straight up a field, you know, no sideways bounces because, after all, football is, you know, just like a basketball. It's going to roll straight. Rolls right to uh, the Tennessee guy, and he picks it up, falls on it, whatever, and then uh, three or four plays later, it's 7 nothing. It, it was downhill from there. For uh, for LSU, but like I said, 
let's don't put a whole lot of stock in that game. LSU's not that good. They did play Florida State close, and, and Florida State has looked good into the last two weeks. But LSU was on the ropes at Auburn. Auburn is not a good football team. I heard that – because I didn't get to watch all of that. I heard that Brian Kelly – or I could have watched all of it. I just got bored with it because I was like, crap, we got to play these guys next week. But Brian Kelly went for it three times uh, on fourth down, I think, in the first half. One of them was fourth and ten from the 50. And with 30 seconds left, dude, punt the ball. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee only got a field goal out. But fourth and ten, mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, man. Like, yeah, it punt was it, a terrible punt call. It. You're not playing the call. service academies. <clears throat> so, if you're looking at Bama 24, A&M 20, you're looking at Tennessee 40, uh, LSU 13, you're like, how is Bama going to win? Well, we're going to get – we're here to give you hope. And so, the first number, I'll talk a little, about, a little bit about uh, defense. Uh, rush defense, Bama is eighth in the country. Tennessee's 11th. I'm like, crap, that ain't – that's not the stat I was looking for. That doesn't give anybody hope. And I'm like, well, maybe maybe Tennessee's played a bunch of crappy uh, defenses and they've run some numbers up. Well, they played Ball State, Akron, Florida. Those three are 103, 127, and 99, respectively. So I'm like, okay, that makes me feel better. But they played Pitt. Overall, they're 33rd. They played LSU. Overall, they're 29th. That's some solid defenses because Bama's played number 126, number 121 in Arkansas. 126 is Vandy. 121 is Arkansas. Utah State is 90, A&M is 60, and we only got 24 at home. Texas is 35, but, hey, we only got 20 points against them. Could not find a stat on Louisiana Monroe. I don't, I don't know why. But here's the stat, a couple of things. Okay, so then I wanted to dive deeper. I'm like, okay, well, did Hooker just light Pitt up? Because I think that game went to overtime or maybe even double OT. I know it went to overtime. It might have even gone to double OT. But I'm like, did he just light them up? Like, if he threw for 450 on Pitt and he threw for 395 on LSU, like, I'm going to go throw up. Well, I got good news. Pitt is 48th in pass defense, okay? And he had under 300 in regulation. He finished with 325. He threw a 28-yard pass to – I think he walked it off against Pitt, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. But regardless, uh, Hooker finished with – 298 in regulation, which is nothing to sneeze at. But, you know, it's, it's, that's uh, in today's college football world, 298 is, is just an average day, in my opinion, for most teams. I mean, with the offensive numbers that you normally put up. And the LSU's even going to make you feel better. So, LSU's 29th in pass D. And uh, Hooker only threw for 239. Now, on the flip side, their running game really got going. But remember, LSU – Gave up points and yards to Auburn, who is not good at all. So, LSU is not the team that we're used to LSU being. Heck, I don't know that they weren't better last year than they're playing right now. The quarterback is just spotty at the at the at best. But here's the here's two numbers that's really gonna hopefully help your feelings. Told, uh, let's go with pass yards allowed. Alabama is twelfth in the country. Like I said, LSU's 29th, and they allowed two thirty nine. So I think it's safe to say we can hold Hooker un- – we should hold Hooker under 250, definitely under 300, maybe under 250. Tennessee <coughs> is 128th against the pass. So even with Milrow, see, like uh, A&M – did I not look that one up? I thought I did. A&M 60 overall. So they're, they're better at pass defense than Tennessee. 
So Tennessee being 128, we should really be able to, regardless if it's Milrow or Bryce, we should be able to make some hay with our passing game. If nothing else, man, keep the chains moving. And we didn't, we didn't jump back to the A&M, Bama A&M game quickly. The most disappointing thing was all we needed was two first downs ends the game, one first down, uh, A&M is going to get the ball back with less than 30 seconds left, and we couldn't convert. And, man, that sucks. Like, you've got to convert. You've got to get that first down on first and 10 at your home stadium. We couldn't do it. And then the last, the last one, total defense, Bama is sixth in the country. Tennessee is 87th. So, lot, uh, looking at the numbers, a lot to be excited about this weekend. If Bryce plays, I, I don't see us losing. I, and I think with Milrow playing, we have a, a good shot because, you know, now, like I said, if, or like I've said a lot today, if we turn the ball over four times and miss two field goals, uh, Tennessee will win by 20. I've got to think regardless of who quarterback is this weekend, we're not going to play that bad again. So I think it's going to be a good game. Milrow gives us a chance. Bryce, I think, gives us a win. You hear that? I had to throw away my notes because for some reason you jumped on the stats. Well, I had a little time at work today. <laughs> <laughs> no, this those are those are a lot of the same things that I wanted to hit on. But I'll go a step further a little bit. Passing yards allowed by Tennessee, 128. Total defense, over 100. Well, I don't even remember what you said that number was. I didn't have it. Here's the thing that really drives all that home for me, okay? Because we have, we have similar numbers on rush defense and rush offenses and passing offenses. You know, offensively, Tennessee's got pretty good numbers. They're number seven in the country passing, number 23 rushing. That's solid. Uh Versus us, we're number three rushing and number 68 passing. But that number 68 is, is skewed by last game. Miro only threw for, what, 119 yards last game? I got yeah. to thinking, if Bryce plays there, he he throws at least another 150 yards. He gets 260 there, right? I mean, that's that's oh, a minimum. Yeah, I mean, if you, I picked the if score 45-17 with Bryce playing, and I think that's where we'd have been. Yeah, and if you you add another 150 yards to our passing totals, our 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 offensive numbers jump from number 68 to number 35. So that's a more yeah. realistic position yeah. for us. But but the the thing that really drives this whole thing home to me is strength of schedule, because numbers don't mean anything if you're playing different teams, and the only way you you can figure out, you know, how good you're doing is if you have similar competition or you go by strength of schedule. Currently, we're number 24 in the country in strength of schedule. Tennessee is number 64. Mm. That's a pretty good jump. If you remember, uh, was it last week or the week before last, you were talking about the percentage of four and five stars and that jump from 10 to 60. That's clearly in that lower half of that uh, jumble of of teams there about how how many you played and you mentioned it a while ago Ball State I don't have their schedule in front of me but if you're gonna play those teams early and you're gonna have a really uh, a fairly easy cupcake schedule early you need to have better numbers on your board at this point in the season they may not end up there but you don't want to be one twenty eighth against the pass uh, playing that week's schedule. You don't want to be 
over 100 in total defense on that schedule. That's the time of the year that you run up some gaudy numbers and then kind of coast in when you get to the meat of your schedule. So that that is that was a, a, a little bit heartwarming to me. And and by comparison, because I got I started looking at that. So far, Alabama's strength of schedule is number 24 in the country. The other top four teams in the top five, Ohio State is number 70. Georgia is 71. Michigan is 95. Clemson is 84. So, so far, we have really played a significantly tougher schedule than anybody in the top of the country. And, unfortunately for us, remaining strength of schedule, we're still, we're, we're number two with the teams we've got remaining. Yeah, I mean, sure. you've got a top State. 10 Tennessee. You've got a top 15 Mississippi State. You've got a top 10 Ole Miss. I mean, all these teams are still on your schedule. Uh, and so it, there's still a lot in front of us. But but I do think the the difference in competition to date now, that, that's never to say one team's better than the other because they played a, a worse schedule. I, but we're just talking about trying to compare these teams as best we can. And, yes, Hooker has looked really good. But, again, he's looked really good against poor competition. We sat on this podcast last week, and I blasted LSU as being one of the worst teams. And, and that was the reason we said, hey, take Tennessee minus three. And uh, – my gosh, if there was a bright spot this past weekend, that was it. That game was never in question. But uh, so so that does that does give me a little bit of help. Now I'll tell you one thing that that we're gonna have to do a little better of. And of course, I'm hoping that our our defensive line pushes this issue. Hooker's only been sacked eight times this year. Yeah. Coupled with that, he's had four different receivers that have. 50-yard TD or greater pass receptions. Uh, I think one or two of them has multiple uh, long ball receptions like that. You know how many we have this year? Zero. We have one. I'll give you three guesses on the receiver. <laughs> I'm going to say Jameer Gibbs. Hmm, no, back. <laughs> so that would have been my first guess, not him. <laughs> uh, I'll say number three, Burton. Isaiah Bond. I didn't even give you a third guess. Oh, yeah, I knew okay. you would get it on the third the, uh, guess. Arkansas catch. Yeah. So, so you know, that's that's something. And, you know, I made the point last week that we'd had a different receiver lead us in, in receptions or pass yards each week of the season. So, or four out of the five. Last week was no different. Burton finally got his first one. Burton was the first-timer on the list last week as leading the team in receiving yards. So, uh, you know, we don't have a go-to guy, but we've certainly spread it out some, so there's something to be said for that. But uh, I, I like us this weekend. I like us big. It's a road game, and, and certainly mistakes can do us, but I got us at 38-20. to 20. I have us covering this thing pretty easy, and uh, I just think that overall we're battle-tested. If Bryce Young comes back, I think he'll want to prove a point. And I think the defense is playing really, really good. And and this will be obviously the first time that Tennessee has faced the defense of this caliber this year. So we'll see. Home field advantage is going to be tough for them, though. They they'll yeah. it'll be a it'll be an atmosphere this weekend. Forty two thirty one Bama, uh, which is a cover. So I, I like us too. If Milro plays, uh, all bets off. But let, lastly, on this, before we get into our bets. Uh, 
Richardson from um, from Florida, the quarterback. Outside of experience, would you take him over Milrow? If you do, or, no. or would you, would he be head and shoulders above Milrow outside of experience? No, I, I don't. I, think I don't so. think so either. I uh, think Richardson, Milrow's got a lot of talent. He, I mean, he does. He's got a strong arm. He's got unbelievable legs. He just has to have experience, and he has to make good decisions. His decision-making was not good Saturday, and that that comes with experience, unfortunately. Richardson against Tennessee, 24 of 44, 453 for two touchdowns. So, you know, it all is not lost <laughs> if, if, um, if Bryce doesn't play. So, recapping the bets, we went one and three. And in my defense, I had Arkansas and Kentucky – uh, my two court, my starting quarterbacks didn't play this week, and as we saw, when you don't play your starting quarterback, you're in peril. Like you, you're at risk to lose. And A and M can pop off. I heard Jimbo pop off about how their starters out too. No, he's not. Haynes King is your guy. He was your guy last year till he got hurt. He was your guy this year till he got beat out. You had a starting quarterback and you got whipped. But I went zero and two. I'll take the L. Kentucky and Arkansas, and I see you went one and one. Tennessee. NC State was a loss. It, I guess it very easily could have been a win. Uh, it was a close yeah, game. Yeah, they were minus. They were minus three and one by two. They had the ball twice in the fourth quarter deep, and and settled for field goals. Any a touchdown in either spot gets them the cover, but unfortunately they did not. So I'll take the one and one. All right. So who you got this week? What's your game one? Oh my gosh, it's Smelly Fish Week, dude. There, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to take the Florida State over Clemson. I, I should, but uh, I, I hyped Florida State and LSU as not being very, very good teams last week. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and take them this week over Clemson, but I really, really want to. But my first smelly yeah. fish, I got two smelly fish plays. The first play is the smelliest fish I think I've seen in several years, several years. We've got Minnesota is a six-and-a-half-point favorite over number 24, Illinois. Illinois is at home. So the number 24th-ranked team in the country, Illinois, is playing unranked Minnesota, and the road team is coming in as almost a touchdown favorite. So Minnesota is my first one. I like what you're laying down. I've got, and I'm going to do a disclaimer. If my, I've got to have my starting quarterback for this week for my games to count against me if I don't hit. So I'm saying Levis is going to start. I've got Kentucky plus seven over Mississippi State. I think Kentucky is a lot better than what they played against, uh, you know, this weekend, of course, because they didn't have their they didn't have their starter. So I think seven's too much. I don't know if Mississippi State wins. State has looked really good, but they've looked really good at home. So, you know, they lost to LSU, which is not a good team, as we've discussed. So, give me Kentucky plus seven for my first game. I like that one. My second game is going to be another big, 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 big smelly fish. Number 19, Kansas, plays on the road this week against the team that got the team that did not score a point last week. They were the only team in the country not to score last week. And I'm talking none other than your Oklahoma Sooners. But Oklahoma, after getting blank 49 to nothing last week, comes up as a seven-point favorite over the number 19 team in the country. I saw that. (laughs) They couldn't manage a point 
last week. No. <laughs> and now they're a favorite over number 19, Kansas. So I'll take that favorite. I'll take Oklahoma at minus seven, Minnesota at minus six and a half, both playing ranked teams this week. Two favorites for Tom. I'm going to go favorite on my last game. I've got Ole Miss minus 16 over Auburn. Uh, it might take a while because Ole Miss did struggle with Vandy, but Auburn, I don't know that they can score more. I mean, the the 10 points against Georgia was a three guys had a chance to tackle the dude, and he uh, he got loose, Jarquez Hunter, who's a good player. But give me Ole Miss 16. So we've got Minnesota 6.5, Kentucky plus 7, Oklahoma laying the 7, Ole Miss laying the 16. Tom, we're over time. Quickly, let's go to CFP. I wanted six teams this week. I really wanted eight, but I didn't want to get too confusing because if we had gone to eight, I'm putting Mississippi State in there. I know they lost LSU, but they've looked really good at home. But I, I've got Bama at one. I'm not going to punish us for winning at home with a backup quarterback. Like we said, A&M is not a – they're not a terrible team. They're not a great – they're not a good team, but they have good players. And Jimbo wanted that game as bad as he wanted any this year, as it showed – so I've got Bama one, <laughs> excuse me, I'm leaving Georgia at two. Ohio State, you won a road game, you're getting three. I've got Tennessee at four. I think they're playing as good as anybody in the country outside of the top three. My number five is Michigan and my number six is Ole Miss only because Ole Miss struggled with Vandy, which I got a text about that my, my playoff team was looking sh- uh, shaky and then they hung a 50-burger on Vandy late. Yeah, they were they were losing at halftime to Vandy, by the way. <laughs> Uh, I also have Bama left at number one. I did not drop them. And, and people will say, oh, it's a Homer podcast. It, it is. We, we admit that. But we dropped, both dropped Bama a couple, two or three weeks ago when we, yeah. we had come off the Texas close win and Georgia was playing so well. But these teams have not been playing that well lately. And Bama, after trying to give the game away Saturday with every mistake in the book with their backup quarterback, still got the win. I think they stay in place. I got Ohio State number two. They have, they have been rolling again. They have not played much competition. Although Michigan State was preseason top ten this week, they just blasted them. They had no trouble at all. And Ohio State only has two ranked teams in their schedule left: Penn State and Michigan. So it looks like a cakewalk to the Big Ten title game for them. I got th- Georgia at three. I got Michigan at four. I, I struggled with four, five, and six because yeah. I don't think there's clear teams back there. I've, I've still got Michigan at four, even though they were tied with Indiana 10, 10 and a half. I've got Ole Miss at five. I like that pick, even though they struggled with Vandy this week. And then at six, I, I really had a tie between Clemson and Tennessee. I don't like Tennessee high, as high as you do because of the strength of schedule that we talked about, but I'm also just waiting tip for Clemson to lose as well. So I was really torn there. So I just put a, a, an orange burger together and, and put team orange in line six. <laughs> well, good enough. All right, that wraps us up on this podcast. We appreciate you listening. And Tom, always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, guys. Take it easy. Great.